Welcome to Revolution Podcast, a place where we discuss the Bible, culture, faith, and why it matters for you. I'm Quinn, and this is my co-host, Chase. And if you're looking for a podcast that explores the revolutionizing power of Christ in your life, then this is the show for you. Welcome back to Revolution Podcast. Mm -hmm. We are in the studio, high-tech studio, perfect lights, crew all around us monitoring our sound. Oh, yeah. State-of-the-art recording equipment. Um, It is just seeing the skyline of New York City. We are just absolutely ready to go. The sun is rising as I talk, and we are sitting down with fresh cups of the perfect, most perfectly brewed coffee you've ever tasted in your lives. And we are ready to go with like novel-sized amounts of notes. And Mm -hmm. we are just experts on this topic, having studied it for years. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome. If listen, if if people know, they know. They know we're poor yeah. students, and that we we have like two microphones in a little room with our laptops. <laughs> Whatever, it doesn't matter. And we're recording late at night because that's just what fits into our schedules. Welcome to the pod grind, dude. Oh yeah. Has, I, when we, I swear, when we get merch running, it's gonna be hashtag pod grind all the way. Oh yeah. We we've got some ideas lined oh, up. Oh my goodness. But we today are talking about. What do I do if I'm still doubting God? Yeah, that's uh, kind of a wide, broad topic. Do you want to narrow it down to what we're kind of thinking of today? Yeah, and when we had previously talked before we kind of hit play, we we kind of looked at two schools, and the one that we're gonna one that we're not gonna focus on is what if I'm doubting God's existence? Yeah. Um, because we we did an episode on that uh, yeah. called How Do I Know God Exists? Yeah. If you're if you're in that boat or or kind of in that train, I encourage you go listen to that episode. Um, we've got some really good stuff there. Yeah. Um, but what we're going to look at today is um, why am I still doubting um, God's character, mm. who he is? Right. Does that kind of make sense? It does. Could you unpack that for me a little bit? What do you mean God, like doubting God's character? What does mm-hmm. that mean? Do you have any examples of what that might look like? Yeah. I mean, we see this in the Bible. Um, look at Moses. Mm. He he knew God. He was in constant community with God. He would talk to him. Yeah. He had the burning bush, but yeah. but he still made up excuses when God wanted him to go and do things. Right. When he wanted him to go talk, and, talk to Pharaoh or yeah. someone, yeah. he was like, I've got a bad voice. I can't yeah. lead these Israelites. Yeah. Kind of things like that where he was like, I'm this isn't me. Yeah. He would kind of just push it out yeah. because he, he didn't. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Maybe even more shocking with Moses is like, dad, the burning bush doubted that. Like, I can't do this. God said, no, you're, you're actually going to do it. So Moses did it, led the people out of Egypt, had the 10 plagues, crossed the Red Sea, was sustained in the wilderness by manna from heaven and provision from God, all these things. When snakes came and were destroying people, God gave them a way out of it and it worked all these many miracles. And then God said, Hey, you guys need water. Um, go, um, go speak to this rock um, and let the water come out. And Moses goes and he instead strikes the rock and he disobeys God, even after everything they've gone through. Um, and that, at least for me, having studied that passage just a little bit, uh, not super extensively, but it, it's him doubting God's character again, right? Like I, it is the kind of the human instinct of, I need to take this into my own hands. I need to make sure something happens here, even after everything God had provided for him. And so I think we can see that pattern a lot in our own lives. There's a good C.S. Lewis book called A Grief Observed, which is kind of some of his diary entries 
that he wrote after his wife Joy passed away from cancer. Um, him just recording his thoughts, recording this process of grief. It's it's a really, really like hard read in a lot of ways, but so insightful to a man who like obviously like, wrote so much for the Christian faith, so yeah. much defending God, to see him struggle with suffering and grief, to be brought low, to have to, you know, all the theological ideas, all the rational explanations kind of fly out of the door when it comes to grief like that. And there's this quote that I'll paraphrase, and I might be mixing up sections as well, but the idea gets across. He's like, when, when I pray, it feels like there's just this door that's been slammed coldly in my face. No answer. And he says, I think the great danger is not coming to believe God doesn't exist. I think the great danger is insane oh this is what god's really like yeah um to have a revised idea of who god is to say well god isn't actually as good as i thought he was or he doesn't actually want me to be joyful or he isn't actually quite so in control he doesn't actually want to talk to me in prayer um and i think maybe that's where doubt can come in um doubt that god is good for whatever reason doubt that god is in control doubt that or, or even doubt that uh, in, in, in others, and you know, that, that's obviously down the train of grief, but in other senses, like doubt that um, God is good enough for your life in the sense of, can God give me everything I want out of life? Um, can God sustain me through life? Uh, can God give me satisfaction the way people claim he can. I think doubting God in that sense is very, very common, even if you don't express it that way. I think it plays out in your actions among Christians who say, yeah, I believe in God, I'm a Christian, and then live as if they're trying to find joy and happiness in anything but God. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, so I think, I mean, maybe this is harsh to say, but I, I think kind of the two options are either, I mean, maybe you know God exists, but you can know God exists and not love him. So maybe oh, you don't yeah. love him, right? And so you're not a believer because to, to be a Christian is to love God fundamentally, right? Like that's what it means to be a Christian. Um, like, yeah, belief in God does nothing for you. Many people believe in God. Muslims believe in God. Jews believe in God. Um, demons believe in God. And they've got a better picture than even Muslims do. Um, but demons aren't Christians because demons don't love God. You might not express it as, well, I, I don't think God can satisfy me the way all these other things can. I think maybe that's what a lot of this comes down to. And you don't, you might not express it that way, but it works out in that, you know, you're partying every weekend. Um, you're sleeping with multiple people. You are um, doing, you know, any number of things. Um, even like less extreme, less self-destructive things, right? Maybe you're just living a normal life, a very comfortable life. You, you work nine to five, you've got a spouse, you've got kids, it's comfortable. You go to church on the weekends, um, you hang out with friends, maybe you've got some hobbies, just a very normal life. And then if I said, well, what if, Christianity wasn't true, what would change in your life? And it's like, well, you know, I'd, I'd still have a wife, still have kids, still have my hobbies. Maybe I wouldn't go to church, but like, you know, I'd find ways to be happy. It's like, okay. Paul said that if the cross isn't true, we of all people are most to be pitied. In other words, our lives should be worthless unless Christianity is real. So maybe you're living just like a normal life in that sense, but you're finding you're settling for satisfaction in things other than God. Maybe you wouldn't phrase it like that, but that's just the way your actions present your that that belief that settled deep inside you, even though you might might not articulate it. Um, you don't 
truly love God. And maybe it's like, how dare you say that of me? And I'm like, I, I'm not, I'm not meaning to be harsh. I'm just meaning to like, if if that's you, if you're if you're comfortable not having your life be worthless without Jesus, where are you at? Where's your heart at before God? You might believe God exists. That doesn't mean you love Him. Not not at all. And maybe maybe you're engaged in more extreme self-destructive behavior, like um, partying, um, engaging in sexual relationships with multiple partners, drugs, alcohol. Um, a lot most normal lives don't include stuff like that. Like normal, comfortable, happy lives don't include stuff like that. But that, that can be part of this too, right? Like your actions say, "I don't love God." We struggle in loving God because we we believe we can find satisfaction in these things besides him. And so then, you know, when, when something big comes up, like, uh, you know, I want you to spend, give a significant amount of your time to serving at church, or I want you to give a significant amount of your money to the church, or I want you to do this or that, like very self-sacrificial things. It's like, you kind of do it half-heartedly. And if you really think about it, it's like, you're not close to God. Your life does not revolve around God. Um, and then you find, and be, and because of that, because your life doesn't revolve around God, you maybe not like severely, but you experience anxiety. You experience depression. Not that Christians don't experience those things, but you don't find true joy. You have this sense that these things in your life are fleeting. You realize that you don't actually know that much about the Bible and you don't actually really know who God is. And it makes you a bit uncomfortable when you encounter people who seem to. Um, and you might try to make up for it. Why do I still doubt God? So then when you try to solve these problems, well, I don't want to be anxious. I don't want to be depressed. I want to be joyful. I want to be happy. I want to be satisfied. Um, it's like, well, I'm living a Christian life. Like, I believe in God. Why isn't that solving all my problems? Um, I believe in God. Why can't I see him doing good things in my life? It's like, well, you might believe in God. I'm not saying you don't. I'm not, gonna, I'm not, I'm not ever going to tell you what you believe, but I'm going to say what your actions tell me. And maybe your actions are telling me that you don't love God. Um, so I, I think that can maybe be a root of a lot of this sort of thing. Does that make sense? The mm -hmm. kind of the way I laid that out? Yeah. And and why do you think um so often our lives aren't like if you said if if in the West, if let's say God wasn't real, um, and our lives wouldn't be changed, why do you think they wouldn't be changed? Because I don't think people are radically self like reliant on God. I think okay. we're, we we try to be independent. Um, we try to take matters into our own hands. Uh, we try to say, I can do this. I don't need anybody. We're very, uh, an independently driven culture, right? Like be on top, be the best, succeed, especially if you can step on somebody else on the way. We've talked about this right. in our second episode, right? How to succeed. Kind of the cultural paradigm around success. And in the church, I think that bleeds into kind of the that picture I painted of like just the happy normal life. And so what I meant was when I said that like our lives wouldn't be that changed if we took Jesus out of it is that I, I don't think we as the church in the West are really actually practicing self-denial in the sense that the Bible means it. Like you look at somebody like Paul, if you take Jesus out of his life, his life was self-denial. Like he, he, when he used this metaphor once to describe himself, he's like, I'm like this drink that's being poured out like an offering. You think, think a cup of water and you turn it upside down. It just flows out. Paul's like, I'm giving up all of myself. That's self-denial, right? And so if Jesus wasn't real, if he was working towards nothing, his life would be a complete waste. But I think a lot of 
Christians I know, a lot of the circles we're in, a lot of this the Western churches, um, our lives and our meanings and the places we search for satisfaction and joy are primarily not in Jesus, right? Paul's was only Jesus, um, and he had a lot more joy than we probably ever will. Yeah, and I, and I think a lot of it comes down to his... And- this is what I was thinking, especially in relationships. Mm-hmm. We're so scared of being alone. And so that's why so often in our, in our culture, it's you're alone for a second. You, you obviously, you want to be with someone right away. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's good to be alone so you can f- try and actually lean on God. Mm-hmm. As you try and work through stuff, whatever it is, it, it forces you to be alone with yourself, with God, and to just focus right on Him. Right. And I think we don't do that often enough because there's something what we think is better out yeah. there. It's like yeah. we can we can just chase that closer thing. Yeah. And and again, we've talked about that in our second episode. You know, w- would you rather spend um, your mornings in prayer and reading the word or w- would you spend your mornings getting a jump on the work day um, to get that promotion you're working for? Would you rather spend your evenings at a worship service at your church or you know, at a party with some friends. It's not that hanging out with friends is bad. It's not that like succeeding in your work and doing well. It's not that those things are bad. It's just that it is bad and it is sinful to seek satisfaction in those things. Our satisfaction should be God. That like that's it. If any if if everything else was taken away, we should be just as happy as we were before. And, and you know, obviously that's like, well, I, I'd care if I lost my job and I'd care if I lost these friends. Like, of course, of course. But God is the primary source of joy. Like, I mean, read, I think we as a culture need to start studying the Psalms a little bit more. Um, if you had God, if, if you were so poor and destitute that you had nothing to your name besides God loves me, that's the world. I think we are so focused on work and our social reputations and our social satisfaction and our social success that we don't care about our spiritual health and our spiritual place before God. And all of that bleeds into, because you can see some of these values by what is most prominent in their life, right? And so if a deep communication with and study of God isn't primary in your life because you you don't know about him. You, you don't really know what he's like. You you know maybe you go to church because that's what you do. But um, do you understand that? Do you love it? Um, do you can you articulate the gospel? Those sorts of things. Those are the marks of a Christian in a lot of ways. Why do I say that? Because I think, like I said at the beginning, like a Christian is somebody who loves God. And if you love God, you you read his word. And if you love God, you're in prayer. So you get to know him. And if you love God, you're with his people because that's his body. So so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, why do I still doubt God? I think the question implies that I've been going at this for a while. And yet I'm still being like, I don't feel connected with him. I don't feel satisfied mm-hmm. or happy in him. And it's like, well, maybe you should pause and think, why? Like, ask yourself, why do I not know him? Why do I not feel close to him? Why am I not satisfied in him? And if you want answers, go to the Bible. But what do you got there? Yeah. And, and I think so often, like, if you think about it, it's like, why why have I been in the same exact spot mm. um, in my relationship with God for, let's say, five years? Yeah. I believe in God, yeah. right? Like like you mentioned, I, I go to church. Yeah. I read my Bible when I feel like it. Yeah. Those kind of things. Why am I not seeing growth? Yeah. Because you're self-dependent. Yeah. You're you're actually not trying 
to do anything besides check the box of saying, I go to church. Yeah. But it doesn't matter to you. Do you actually enjoy getting up on a Sunday morning and be like, man, I get to go to church. Yeah. I, I get to worship and I get to sit under teaching and I get to hear the word of God. Yeah every week does it actually excite you yeah do you enjoy talking with god's people and engaging it with those conversations where people can challenge you yeah because you're not going to grow unless you actually pour into those things yeah can i jump off of that 100 percent. um i think a lot of people might i i can think of people in my head that i'm envisioning that aren't that they're, they're in a sort of a, a, a slightly different place they're not like um they they, they love church perhaps mostly because they love people, um, but they believe in God and, you know, they're, they're living quite good lives. Right. Um, and they would never say like, they would never ever say like, I don't love God or, or they would never say, um, you know, like God isn't the main purpose I'm living. Like they, they, they know those sorts of things, but maybe they're not enthusiastic about the things of God primarily. Um, and so I, I think that's a place of spiritual infancy that people can be in. Um, and, and you know, that, that might be tough to acknowledge, but um, like you said, Quinn, like being joyous about church, I'd also say, are you joyous about being in the word? Yeah. Are you joyous about praying? Do you see prayer as a privilege? Do you see the word as God, like, like full stop, God's words to you specifically? Um, that should bring a joy in reading the word. Um, and like you said, Quinn, about like, I've been in the same place with God for five years. Just take a second to reflect. Am I in a space of spiritual infancy? And not just that, because infancy is a good place to be. Like that's somewhere everybody needs to be. Like if a full grown man popped out of a pregnant lady, it's like, whoa, what's happening here? For a lot of reasons, you, you need to start life as a baby. Um, but also if you remain a baby your whole life, that's also something weird. Um, and so it's not bad to be in a place of spiritual infancy, but it is bad to not grow. And so ask yourself, how have I grown in my relationship with God over the past month, six months, year, five years, 10 years, however long you need to reflect? Because um, like, I mean, first day in bio 11 class, the nature of life is to grow. Living things grow. That's part of what it means to be alive. Uh, if you're not living you're not growing, so you're dying. Um, and so in your spiritual life, because we're, we're um, reflected to be um, branches of the true vine of Jesus, so we grow off of him, like, like the sap of the Holy Spirit is running through the vine into the branches, spreading us out by the hand of the gardener, who is the Father. Um, and so are you a branch that is growing? Or have you stopped? Or, or maybe in extreme cases, are you starting to shrivel up? Um, Can you see a tangible difference in your relationship with God between now and let's say a year ago? Um, And if not, how can you grow? Are you actively pursuing growth? Are you actively seeking more knowledge of God? Are you actively seeking to change your desires and love of God? Are you actively seeking to come to know him and his purposes in the world better? Are you actively seeking out patterns of sin in your life and trying to eliminate them? Are you actively in prayer? Are you actively in the word? Are you actively fasting, um, practicing confession, fellowship, hospitality, all these spiritual disciplines? Do you know God? And and I also want to point out, um, you talked about if, if your relationship with God is is shriveling up, if it's gone. Yeah. Why, why is that? Mm-hmm. Um, C.S. Lewis, he said, most people, I'm paraphrasing, most people don't fall away from God from being reasoned out of God's yeah. existence. They do it by simply falling away. Yeah. And I, and I think that's so true. Yeah. It's because 
you're not engaging with the things of God. Yeah. You're not trying to seek out what God actually wants, yeah. what his kingdom is for, how yeah. we're supposed to live. You, if you're not engaging with that, you can't grow. That's good. That It's natural that you're actually going to go the opposite way. Totally. That's really good. Man. Um, so maybe a question, like, you know, we're, we're talking some theory, some practical stuff here, which is good. I like the blend. Maybe another practical thing is um, ask yourself very seriously, what are you living for? Because mm. um, you can say, like, I, I know people who will very joyfully say, like, my life is about God. Um, but I would just say privately, because maybe it's embarrassing for you to be pushed on this by a stranger. So privately for yourself, I, I want you to actually ask yourself what you're living for. What are your dreams for the future? What are your desires um, what do you want? What is the most important thing for you to do every day? Um, what is the thing that if it was taken out of your life would break your heart? Um, do you live for your career? Do you live for time off? Do you live for your hobbies? Do you live? And there can be good, like all these are good things, including like, do you live for your family primarily? Um, it is good to be good at your job. It is good to enjoy rest. It is good to love hobbies. It is very good and necessary to love your family, but it is not good to only love those things. True joy is found in love of God. Joy is the essence of love. Um, like, man, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but instead store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust will never destroy. Is Jesus your treasure? Because that, that's never going to fade away. Um, Psalm, oh, I wish I knew the reference, but it's a, it's a very simple verse in the Psalms. It says, delight yourself. Oh, it's Psalm 37 verse 4. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> um, I, I actually didn't plan. I had pulled up Psalm 37 to read in a little bit, and then I just looked down at the page, and the, the verse I'm quoting is right here. Awesome. <laughs> Psalm 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord. That's not a suggestion. That's not a question. That's a command. Delight yourself in the Lord. Maybe you pray for your enemies and maybe you give to the poor and all. maybe you're good at following the commands. Do you know that command? Are you spending your life trying to fulfill that command? Delight yourself in the Lord. Yeah. Um, how can I still doubt God? Listen, if God is your true delight every single day, there, there's not gonna be a doubt in his character. Because what does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? Like, what does that mean? To find joy and satisfaction in him. What does that mean? If I find joy and satisfaction in my spouse, what does that mean? It means I love the things she does. It means I love the way she acts. It means I love these different things about her. It means I love her personality and who she is. It's I love her as a person. I find delight, satisfaction, and quite honestly, joy in that. Why? Because it makes me happy to see her and who she is and what she does and all those different things. So what does it mean to delight in the Lord? Well, it means to find joy in him, to delight in him, to find satisfaction in him because of the things he does to you. Oh, I'm satisfied because of what you've done for me. To see the things he's done in the world, I find joy in seeing you act. Why do I find joy in seeing you act? Because I find joy in who you are. I know mm. your goodness. I know your kindness. I know your love. I know your yeah. patience. And so to see that in action is like, oh, that's amazing. That's you, yeah. but you're doing something with it. Like, like we find delight in that in the people all around us. We find delight in that in the people we love because we know their character and we get to see that in action. That's why you love to, you know, your favorite comic or your, your character, like to when somebody makes you laugh, it's like, oh, that's so them right? Like, you know, that feeling It's like, yeah. oh, that is so classic of them. It's because you know who they are and you see their character 
present itself. And that's delightful. That makes you happy. And there's nothing cheap about joy, like enjoying somebody because they make you happy. That's not selfish. That's what joy is. If a comedian makes a joke and you just force yourself to laugh, they, they don't appreciate that. They want genuine laughter. They, they want to make you happy. Same thing with lovers. Same thing with God. God wants you to be satisfied in yeah. him. He wants you to delight in him. That's why he commands us to delight yourself in the Lord. And actually the verse finishes like this. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What are the desires of the heart? We talked about this before. The primary desire of people is to both know fully and to be fully known. Our primary purpose is to glorify God and catch this and enjoy him forever. You catch that second part or yeah. it's part of the first because they're the same thing. Um, but to glorify, to, um, our chief, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. What does it mean to enjoy the Lord? It means to delight in him. It's a command. We're supposed to do that. And he will give you the desires of your heart. He will make you fully known. He will make you joyful, happy, satisfied, all these things. Um, so how do you come? Okay, so we know maybe we understand a bit better what does it mean to delight in the Lord? How on earth do we do that? Do you have any thoughts you want to add in here? Mm -hmm. How do we come to delight in God? I, I would say, first off, try to think of where you would be without him. Nice. And, and if you're at that place of, where God is actually truly your every, your everything, then you're going to find delight and thankfulness and joy in the things that he's given you. Nice. That's good. I don't know. That's just one thought. That's good. Um, man, when I love and delight in somebody, when they bring me joy, happiness the, in a person, what, 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 where does that spring from? It springs from them, who they are. Yes, what they do, absolutely, and what they've done for me, but mostly just who they are. You delight in a child because of their innocence and the joy they find in the world and there's their happiness at seeing their parents. You delight in a friend because of their steadfastness and their patience and their care for the people around them. You delight in a in a mother or a father because of their parental love and their and their uh patience with you and their long suffering um, and their peacefulness. You, you delight in, in all these people. You delight in a spouse because of their kindness and their goodness and, and their love and their joy. Like you, you find joy and happiness in people because of who they are. And so delight yourself in the Lord. Well, who are we, do we mean when we say the Lord? Who are we delighting ourselves in? I think we are so crippled as Christians and as a church, as a church in the West, we are crippled because we do not know God. We do not know who God is. We do not know what he is like. We have, every, everybody thinks they know who God is. Let me be clear. It's not that when, you, when I ask, what's God like? It's like, there's just this blankness in your head. Everybody thinks they know what God is. But then mm -hmm. when the storms come, we're let down because it's like, oh, that isn't my picture of God. Yeah. When you read the Bible, it's like, oh, that isn't my picture of God. Like we hear, we, maybe we get the broad strokes. God is love. Uh, God wants you to be happy. Jesus died for your sins. God is, you know, all present, all powerful. All know, all that we got the broad strokes. And then we fill in the details by ourselves. God wants me to be happy. That means I need to be rich, have a good family, be successful as a doctor and um, have own three dogs and have a nice house and make good investments all my life. And that's what it means for me to be happy. That's how I want to be happy. And God's picture of you being happy is being a single poor missionary in yeah. the middle of like Indonesia, like God, maybe God knows that's where you're going to be happy. And God does want you to be happy, mm -hmm. but you don't, you don't know what's going to make you happy, but we fill in the details of who God is in our heads. And the Bible's full of those details. We do not know who God is. And that is the biggest detriment in the church right now.
And and I think part of why we still doubt, doubt God is because there's so much uncertainty mm. with God. What do you mean by that? Well, like you said, we have this plan for life. Yeah. I mean, you, you've talked about um, some of the, the plans that you thought you had for your life, right? <laughs> yeah. And God flipped that on his head, on, on your head. Yeah. There's, there's this uncertainty that we don't know what's going to come tomorrow and what's going what's gonna to happen tomorrow. And yeah. so we just try and do it our own. Right. And suddenly as we do that, we're further and further away from God because yeah. we're like, my life is actually perfect right now and I've got yeah. it all planned out. Yeah. And that, and that causes us to stray away from God. For me, it's been like, I've, I've thought up these conversations or things that are going to happen. It's like, this is going to happen. This is how it's going to go. And yeah. there's all these things. Every single time I've been let down by my own thoughts. Right. I'm like, this is the way this is going to go. This situation is going to handle itself. Yeah. This way, I know it's going to happen. That is the opposite is what, of what has happened. I've yeah. tried to make it my own. Yeah. And God's plan is significantly different. Yeah. And significantly better. Oh, way better. I'd add that in. Man, I, I, it's the story of Joseph. Can you echo Joseph? What did, let's skip to the end and then maybe we'll trace it back. What did Joseph say? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What on earth is he talking about? Joseph, born into a big family. Ayo. Um, <laughs> the joke is always that I'm just a Joseph. My middle name's Joseph. So oh, right. I've been terrified of my brothers my whole I stay away from wells is what I do. Mm. And I don't tell them about my dream. Okay. Joseph, born into a big family, <laughs> his father's favorite has these prophetic dreams um, and is very prideful, a very prideful child because he sees these visions of his brothers bowing down to him and he just loves to tell them about it. Fair enough for a 12 year Like that's what brothers do. Like, can you imagine? Oh, I would go to my brother and be like, yo, boys, you guys are going to bow down to me exactly. one day. Well, that's, that's what it says. <laughs> QSV, but... Um, and then his brothers sell him into slavery and he... Yeah, he, he goes into slavery and he actually s starts to do quite well as a slave, is moving up in rank. And then uh, Potiphar's wife, the man he's serving under, uh, launches a false allegation against him and he's sent into prison. And then he's able to interpret the dreams of these men and they're set free. And, and one of them is supposed to tell uh, Pharaoh, like, you know, this, this guy, Joseph, you, you need to let him go. And he just forgets. That's not something people forget, yeah. but he forgot for a long time. And then randomly he remembers one day and then he's brought out of prison and then he's able to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And he goes through this long, hard process of, can you imagine being in a jail cell for like seven years for a crime you didn't commit? Oh, and like this one guy who was supposed to like be your out <laughs> completely forgets about you. It's like, that's so frustrating. Like imagine the hours, long nights of prayer of God. I don't know what's happening. But man, my life is completely out of, like, you know, those visions he had as a kid, imagine what he was thinking about those now. It would have been like, I was so wrong and I'm so sorry. And then God slowly establishes him as the second most powerful man in the kingdom of Egypt. A man who has the great plan to store up this food before a famine sweeps over the land. And then his brothers who threw him down a well to kill him and then ended up selling him to slavery. Those same brothers come to him. They don't recognize him and they beg him to be able to purchase food for their family and their father. Imagine Joseph standing there. Most powerful. He could, he could have them all killed very easily, at least thrown in prison for a while to make them feel what he's felt. Slavery, death, 
sickness, wrong accusations, years in prison. That's who he's, he's standing before the people who gave him that. And what does he say to them? He says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God saved millions of people through Joseph. Not only that, he established the nation of Israel through Joseph's work. Um, without that, without the without that rainbow coat that his father gave him, there would like there would be no Israel. That's crazy to think about. If those slaveholders, slave trader story hadn't been passing by his brothers at that exact moment they threw him into the well, there'd be no Israel. But God didn't just save millions of people and establish his nation and establish the nation Jesus would come from through this, these, 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 these sins of these brothers. He also healed Joseph's heart. Every ruler in the Bible that I think of, every king, their greatest flaw was pride. Saul, even David, Solomon, even Peter in the church in the New Testament suffered from pride. All these men who we see as like great men in a lot of ways suffer from pride. Joseph, in his time as a ruler, did not suffer from pride. Why? Because he did as a child and God broke him free from that. And broke is, I think, an appropriate word because it took a long time. But God saved millions of people, established his kingdom, and healed a man's heart through a life that he never would have imagined that a lot of us would call a terrible life. But Joseph said, it was good. I can look back on almost dying, on being a slave, on being imprisoned, and I can say, it was good by God's hand. <clears throat> and you know, like God is doing a thousand things in your life that you just don't see. And I'm not saying you're ever going to see all of it. I doubt, like Joseph obviously wouldn't have seen all of it. He wouldn't have been able to foresee the nation of Israel and the exodus out of Egypt and the coming of Jesus. He wouldn't have seen all that, but he did see some of it. And I would just mm -hmm. encourage you, man, in, in the bad times, just this, and this is why we need to know the character of God. We need to know his goodness and his faithfulness and his control and his providence. Because if you don't know those things, you're not going to know that he turns evil into good. You're not going to know what Paul says in Romans 8, that he's turning all things to good for those who love him, for whom, for those, those of whom he called according to his purpose, right? Like if you don't know that, then of course you're going to despair and feel anxious and depressed. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to worry about itself. Let today be good enough for today. Like, no, you, you will not change one thing by worrying about tomorrow. Why? Because it's in God's hand. Not one sparrow falls to the ground without your father in heaven knowing about it. Even dice that men roll, they don't land randomly. God ordains how they land. That's crazy. So, but if you don't know that about God, if you don't know that he works all things to good of those who love him, then when you're caught in a bad season or you're caught not being sad. If you don't know that when you give yourself to the Lord and stop depending on yourself that he satisfies, if you just don't know that, well then what are you going to do? So how do you delight yourself in the Lord? You got to know him and you know him through his word, through the things that he's done, through his self -rep. God knows the best way to reveal himself and he has. It's called the Bible. Do you know the Bible? Because a lot of, well, I've read the Bible. It's like, okay, recite it to me. From, I, I from, from front to back, recite, okay, well then we've got more studying to do, right? I've got more studying to do. You got more studying to do. Your pastor has more studying to do. And you listening, you, have, you might think, oh, I've read the Bible. I've read the God. I know. No, you don't. Because if you can't recite it, you do not know it as fully as you could. Yeah. So I mean, go back, get in the word, get to know God. I mean, I, I, this is kind of stupid of me. I remember reading, uh, doing a study through Romans with mm. uh, one of the mentors in my life. And we were reading through Romans and we'd finished it. 
and <laughs> he somebody was preaching on a Sunday, and they were going. They used Romans as a verse. Nice. And I was like, I don't remember that verse. <laughs> <laughs> it because there's always you always need to reread, always mm-hmm. need to learn. Always, I, I, always. I was just like, I I thought I would know that one. Yeah, I, I know that one. I read it. Yeah, I studied it briefly. Yeah. I was reading through Ephesians with a Bible study group recently. I've read Ephesians at least 10 times, right? And I was reading it over another time with my Bible study group, and it felt like I'd never read it before in my life. God, like the Holy Spirit struck me in a new way with those words. And it's like, get in the, the you're, if you're lacking joy, satisfaction, if you feel like your life is meaningless, like you're floating, like you don't delight in the Lord, what does your prayer and Bible study life like look like go listen to our episode six vital spiritual disciplines you're neglecting um we've got a resource how to actually study the bible we've got an episode how to study the bible we've got episodes uh out by the time this comes out we'll have episodes out on prayer we're gonna have more episodes out on prayer like like just very simply let's say two things bible reading and prayer what does that look like in your life are you hungry for the word jesus said blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied how seriously do you take i i think like our joy in God, who is the supreme joy, nothing like everything else is a deceitful desire. God is our supreme joy, happiness, satisfaction. Like he's the only thing worth living for. Mm-hmm. And our, the, the amount of joy that we're able to get from him directly correlates to how dependent we are in him. Mm-hmm. Every single degree that you are dependent on yourself or anything else in your life is how much you will not find joy in God. Which means if you're helpless, that's why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for there's the kingdom of heaven. Because when you're broken, helpless, blessed are the meek, blessed are the peace. When you have nothing besides God, then you have everything. That's what Jesus said to the rich young ruler. Go sell everything you have to the poor. Come follow me. And he couldn't do it. He could not do it because that's what he found joy in. But if you only find joy in God and you have gained the, like Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and all of this will be added to you also. That's amazing. That's amazing. So just challenge people. If you feel doubt in God, if you're like, I'm struggling, I'm floating, I don't know what to do. My like, I've you know, and again, do our self reflection exercises. How have I been growing? How can I grow? Take this command seriously. Psalm thirty seven four. Delight yourself in the Lord. Go. I, I mean, I won't read the whole psalm now because we're getting to the end of our episode. But go read Psalm thirty seven. I did, a small passage from it, man. Let me let me find the spot here, because uh, because it's it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful. Oh. Turn away from evil and do good. So shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. And listen to this. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. Listen to this. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. In just a little while, in God's timing, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The evildoer shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. There's so much more in this psalm it's so beautiful this and he ends like this the salvation of the righteous is from the lord he is their stronghold in the time of trouble 
The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them. And listen to this. If you want God to help you, deliver you, keep you out of evil, be your stronghold, it says all that is dependent on this. He says, because they take refuge in him. Mm. What do you take refuge in your life? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. End of show thoughts, Quinn. What do you want people to walk away from this episode? What do you want to ring in their heads the rest of the day? I mean, we talked about it since the beginning. Do you really know God? Yeah. Do you know his character? T- take a minute and ask yourself, do I actually delight in God? Mm-hmm. If everything was taken away from me, would I still find trust and refuge in God? Yeah. Would I still love him yeah. or would would I just disregard him? Yeah. Am I, why am I still doubting? Am I so self-reliant on what I can do for myself? Mm-hmm. Or am I trying to actually learn to love God? Yeah. Love his people, love his word, love going to church on a Sunday. Yeah, that's so good. Self-reflect on the amount of growth you've had spiritually over the last year. Mm -hmm. Seek how you can grow more. Start studying the Psalms uh, to learn specific. Don't don't just read them. You're like, oh, that's nice, weird poetry-ish things. Read them with this lens. What does this tell me about who God is? Read a psalm every day with a pencil in your hand with that question etched into your brain and do not walk away until you can write something down and the rest of the day savor that thing that you write what does this tell me about god he is good god is good okay how is that going to affect my day what does this tell me about god he hates evil God hates evil. How does that affect my day? What does this tell me about God? He's my refuge in times of trouble. Oh my, that's profound. But we just slide over sentences like that. So I would just encourage people, reflect on growth, find how you can grow, seek to know God better and and you know the, do that through the whole Bible, but specific, read us one Psalm every single day with that question. What does this tell me about who God is? Other resources, um, the Bible, obviously, Knowing God by J.A. Packer. Have um, you finished that book? Yeah, it was so good. Yeah. Knowing God by J.A. Packer, um, Desiring God by John Piper. Try to, are there any other books that you can think of off the top? Th- those are, those I are two. I don't really read. That's all right. I just, those are two that I finished recently. So they're fresh off my brain right now. Um, and, I mean, maybe, maybe you finished Desiring God too? Yeah, I finished that yesterday. <laughs> um I don't want to overload people, so maybe just I can just encourage people to pick up one of those two books, Knowing God by J.A. Packer or Desiring God by John Piper. They're both so, so excellent. And just start reading one psalm every day, asking yourself, what does this tell me about God? Seek to know God more and take this command seriously. Delight yourself in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Man, there's so much. I want to keep going for another hour. This is excellent, but we'll just stop here. Um, man, whatever platform you guys are listening on, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere else, just encourage you to follow, leave a review. Um, small, easy, free way for you guys to help us take uh, just two minutes out of your day, but it goes a long, long way for us. We super appreciate it. Follow us on Instagram at Revolution Pod for more updates, resources, other things like that. If you think this episode would be useful for somebody you know, somebody you love, somebody you care about who isn't growing, who seems stagnant, who you think, man, I really want them to grow closer to God, and you think this would be helpful for them, just send it to them. Let the word of this ministry get out. Uh, We just want to bring as many people as possible into loving communion with God. So love you guys. We'll be here next Tuesday, as always, with another another episode for you. See ya.